Hi everyone, my name is Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us individually bring a fic to talk about, and this is a very special episode. Um, for better or for worse, ficlets, this is a Super Hulak-themed episode. Yeah! Woo! For better! <laughs> <laughs> we said we were doing it last episode, and... Um, a- April Fools, maybe you thought it was a joke, but not the a fools joke. Are just us. Mm-hmm. So each of us has picked one fandom. Brenna is the super, Nick is the who, and I'm the luck. For and- now. <laughs> <laughs> For now. Um, yes. So with that, Brenna, why don't you tell us what you brought? Yes, uh, my fic pick is Where the Weeds Take Root by Death Banjo. Um as Reed mentioned, it is a fic for Supernatural. Uh, it is Castiel Dean, and I think it was wrecked a few times also in our server by various ficlets. Um, so thank you to all of you who put this fic out there. I loved it. Um, Nick, what did you bring? I brought a fic called The Pond Continuum by KD Falls. It is a Doctor Who fic, and the pairing is who else but Amy Pond slash Rory Williams. Reed, what'd you bring? Rounding out these fics, I brought a Sherlock fic for none other than John Locke. Um, my fic is Equilibrium by August Bird, and I will get into this more in my section, but an immense shout out, uh, immense thank you to Brenna for helping me find this fic. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome. My <laughs> dark days of Sherlock fandom <laughs> paying off for once. Yeah, so we thought, um, as you heard, each of us picked a fic from a certain fandom, not necessarily the one that we're most familiar with out of the three. Um, only one of us was a true super hulak, so I think the others <laughs> of us uh, were really just trying to catch up, you know. Um, but I also thought, you know, just because I was assigned who at this episode doesn't mean I am Doctor Who, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like Reed um, it probably is yeah. Sherlock, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, I don't know about that it's, one. It's literally just your vibe. I don't know how to explain it. I do think if we're like assigning vibes based on these shows, I would have also assigned Reed the Sherlock <laughs> vibe. Great. So anyway, I'll be putting in my two weeks notice for the Thick Click podcast. <laughs> no. You all can look for another host. I don't. Th- okay. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that you are the character of no. Sherlock. I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what Nick said. No, you're this show. You literally said Reed is Sherlock. As, so. as the show. Sorry, Reed is BBC Sherlock. What? That still could mean the character, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're working with a limited slate here. I don't get to just pick any show exactly. or like media piece ever. I get to pick one out of these three. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, because I feel like my pick. here's my... my uh, Assignations? What word am I looking for? I'm freaking. I'm freaking out. I'm losing my mind. I don't know. Um, my selections, if I had it mm-hmm. my way, would be Brenna is Doctor Who, 
for the the space vibes, the sci-fi vibes, the exploration of what makes us human. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Uh, Brenna as a TV watcher tends to, in my opinion, go really up and down in terms of quality of what she watches. So that feels <laughs> true to Doctor Who, from my understanding yeah, of fair it. Enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would make me supernatural. Um, sometimes some um, Latinx lore is brought into the show. Um, there's siblings. I have a sibling. Um, I know how to drive. Um, born in America. And then read Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, I also have a sibling, know how to drive, and was born in America. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, but you're like so obviously Sherlock. It's hard well, to... Well, here's, here's the thing. I will agree with you that Brenna is Doctor Who. Uh-huh. But you don't feel like Sherlock or Supernatural to me? Like, I don't... I don't know where you fit in this little triangle we've oh, created. Thank but... you. I'm taking that as a compliment. Yeah, I do feel like it's it's a little bit difficult, but I did assign us the same fandoms that Nick did. Nice. Um, I mean, I assigned myself Doctor Who for very obvious reasons. <laughs> the ones already detailed by my friends. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, I-, I do think it gets tricky to put into words why I have assigned Nick Supernatural and read Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Um, they both feel like they could be insults, so I am sorry, but once again, <laughs> we only have three shows. Um, okay, here's the thing. I just feel like out of the TV that I know Nick has watched, out of these three shows, I do feel like Supernatural matches the best with the other things that they've enjoyed. Yeah. Like, it's kind of dumb, it's campy, it's got a lot of just like kind of heightened drama for like no good reason and I feel like those are definitely things that I've seen you gravitate towards uh-huh. um in in the in the handful of shows that I know you've watched yeah um Reed I know you're not a big tv watcher either but I do feel like I do feel like I don't think of your tv watching as quite as like niche as Nick's like Nick oh, I really for sure. think of as like in like two categories and that's um reality television uh-huh. and teen wolf so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. so you can see why supernatural was my choice there also unfortunately right i do know that you have seen sherlock so that did factor into my opinions i also just think that you could pull off sort of the vibe of the show a little bit better um like <laughs> nick don't look at me like that <laughs> I'm preppy You're as hell. You're wearing flannel right now, Reed, which isn't helping my point. <laughs> okay, can I say something mm-hmm. that is going to make Nick so exasperated uh, with me? Uh-huh. I'm already uh-huh. exasperated yeah. before you've uh-huh. even said it. So, like, obviously, I know the theme of this episode is Super Hulak, and those are the three fandoms we're discussing. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like it is impossible to talk about Super Hulak with also sort of just acknowledging the general Tumblr culture of the time. And so Mm -hmm. my proposal is that Nick is not any of these, but instead, you know those, like, really long Tumblr posts, and when it gets to the, like, Gleeks, grab your slushies? (laughs) 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 That's where Nick is. That was, um, Um, cruel. (laughs) I don't know know about that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I I have to say, like, I was very active on Tumblr around this time. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to make it clear that I was not actually in the Super <laughs> fandom. I was just all in, in the three separate fandoms. <laughs> There is a distinction. There is a distinction. I was never really into the whole crossover thing. Like, mm. I remember when it happened and, like, at first I was like, oh, this is, like, some cute fan art, you know? And then it got scary really fast. <laughs> I'm sorry to any of our listeners who were super who lockers. Um, I This is no judgment towards you. It's just a judgment on um, some Tumblr posts that I vividly remember. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, again... These are hard things to assign because they're not great. Like, okay, I do stand by (laughs) Doctor Who being, like, a pretty good show, uh, at least sometimes. But once you put it in the context of, like, Super Hulak, oof. (laughs) Yeah, it does feel weird to be revisiting these fandoms, especially, like, as a trio in this, the the year 2021. Obviously, Supernatural has sort of had its renaissance um, in November, because of Destiel going canon. At this point, I don't know. According to the FitClick server, it's been canon, like, I don't know, six times in, like, four different languages. Who really knows? Um, so, like, revisiting that, because we, we did a Supernatural fic a couple episodes ago, and it was quite good, honestly. Doctor Who, I was never in. Um, and so I'm like, okay, sure, a fic. Sherlock, I left Sherlock so firmly in my past. <laughs> And to return to it, and specifically return to it in the context of Super Hulak, it really... Some things are better left in Tumblr archives, I think. I will say, Mm -hmm. I really liked the fic that I brought. Yeah. Um, Like, this is not all like, oh my god, our horrible dark pasts. And I say our is sort of like the collective internet fandom. Um, But there there is a little bit of sort of the looming specter of 2012 Tumblr just haunting me. Uh, yeah, Reed, I can concur because um, <laughs> when you messaged me saying that you were having trouble finding a Sherlock fic, I decided to go back through my Sherlock tag on my Tumblr, which I have had since like 2011. Um, I went back through it also knowing that I purged like two thirds of that tag many years ago out of kind of shame and embarrassment. What's still left isn't good. Like, <laughs> Some of the edits are are artistically good. Like, there was cool fan art that people did and, like, stuff like that. Like, I don't want to put that down. But, like, then my tags are not good. <laughs> <laughs> like, seeing that was bad. <laughs> I did not like it. Um, I did end up being able to pull some some fix to send to read. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, that was a trip down memory lane I, I didn't like. Um, like, sure, that really was my darkest hour in fandom. Ah. Um, it just like yeah it was all consuming for me for like it was just a very intense short period of fandom but like uh-huh. t- too intense i was too deep and also like 16 at the time yeah i can't believe i'm about to say this uh because i don't think it's true but at the same time like i almost would recommend starting with glee because like you can <laughs> only go up like every fandom i went to i was like at least it's not that you know mm-hmm mm-hmm I mean, Glee was one of the first shows I remember really getting into in, like, my TV watching kind mm-hmm. of career, but um, I wasn't really in the fandom for it. Yeah, I mean, until you, at age 13, Google Kurt Blaine dating question mark before watching the show and stumble upon uh, a fic on fanfiction.net just out there on Google where 
I think Kurt gets into a car accident and Blaine blames himself and sits at his bedside in the hospital. And then they mm-hmm. have a confession scene where they look into each other's orbs. Like, you really don't understand, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <sighs> well, now that we've spent some time mining our teenage selves for content, should we uh, get on with the spoils of that? All right, so we're starting off with the supernatural portion of this evening um, and my fic choice. So I chose Where the Weeds Take Root by Death Banjo. Um, like I mentioned in our intro, this was wrecked a few times in the Fic Click Discord server. So thank you to the Fic Clicks who... The Fic Clicks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. All of the other imposter podcasts oh, out there. No. Our copyright. Uh, so thank you to the Fic Clicks who wrecked this. I did try and search the title in the server earlier to figure out who wrecked it first, but um, there are a bunch of different mentions, so thank you to all of you. Um, Alright, so this is a Dean Castiel fic. Uh, it's set sort of canon verse post-canon. Um, I will be quite honest, there is a chunk of this show that I've never seen, um, particularly some of the later seasons, uh, probably around when this was written, um, so I'm not totally sure if this is like supposed to diverge from a particular point in canon or if this sort of particular post-canon setup was just created by this author. Um, But either way, it sort of takes place like in a hypothetical post-canon world where like not post-canon to the whole show, this is written prior to 2020. (laughs) Um, But basically they've all stopped hunting for the most part. They go out on a couple hunts but it's mostly about kind of them figuring out what their lives are and what their relationship is outside of kind of the life that we've known them to lead throughout most of the show um yeah so this is actually a fic that i first read back in november um after sort of the destiel renaissance began <laughs> um and i was like oh boy howdy here i go reading some destiel fic a thing i haven't done in many many years um and i picked this one up and it was great and i think that this is kind of also what catapulted me what catapulted me into reading just like a million words of destiel fic last november <laughs> Um, but then in choosing a fic for this episode, I literally just went to my AO3 bookmarks and picked the Supernatural fic that was under 50k, so you're welcome, co-hosts, uh-huh. um, for my thoughtful choice. Um, <laughs> no, but this this fic includes, like, a lot of things I, Brenna, personally love, so I'm sure we'll get into those in a little bit. Um, there aren't really any specific content warnings for this. Um, I mean, it includes some of the things that the show also includes, like, you know, there's some kind of mentions of past off-screen violence. There's definitely some drinking. Um, and they also smoke a lot of weed in this fic, um, in case that's something you're looking to avoid. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have anything in specific. So this fic kind of revolves around mostly Dean and Cass uh, living in kind of like a farmhouse. Um, they've pretty much given up hunting. Um, Cass is still going out on some hunts. Dean and Sam really aren't. Um, and kind of just like manning the phone lines uh, as Bobby did in early seasons of Supernatural. Um, Dean's got a job at an like auto body mechanic shop. Um, and Cass like helps build houses for Habitat for, for Humanity and like grows a garden. Um, so it's sort of about them navigating 
this sort of quieter, more domestic life uh, that doesn't involve going out and killing like demons and supernatural beasts. Um, and yeah, I, I really loved it. I thought the pacing was very good. I just like I like the atmosphere and the characterizations. It's soft without being like too soft or fluffy. Um, and I think does a good job of kind of having characters deal with their feelings in a very like realistic to them type of way. Um, but yeah, before we get further into it, I'm curious to hear what my co-hosts thought. Yeah. So before I read this fic, um, you had put it in our Discord server, our like personal one, and you were like, you guys are absolutely going to roast me for how on brand this fic is. And then I opened it and I saw the tag curtain fic. And I was like, that's strange because curtain fic is normally exactly the thing that Brenna avoids. Um, and then I read it and I was like, oh, this is not curtain fic in the way that I normally think of it as. Um, and actually this fic is so incredibly on brand for Brenna. Um, just Wow post-canon domestic life on a farm there are so many things happening here where i was like uh-huh 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 i did watch supernatural but couldn't tell you what season i stopped watching it i did not experience the renaissance in november that many people in fandom did um and to be honest i really don't remember the show all that well and so one of the things i actually really liked about this fic is that it felt very accessible um like I was having fun trying to figure out, like, what things had sort of been picked from canon, like, what part of canon this might have picked up from, and what things the author was just sort of, like, choosing to do with the characters. Um, and despite, like, not knowing if some choices were, like, in the show or not, like, it, it still felt very accessible. So I really appreciated that. I really liked the cast of this fic, and in particular, um, not to sound like Brenna, but I liked when he was mean. Um... In the sense that I think quite often, understandably, Cass comes across, like, very neutrally um, because, like, I don't know what I remember from him in the show. Like, he kind of speaks monotone, et cetera, et cetera, and, like, sometimes he's human and sometimes he's not, but there's all that distance sort of between him being an angel and human emotion and all of that. Um, and so I liked in this fic, even though you're in Dean's POV, I liked when you could at least sort of tell where Cass's head was at and then when he rightfully so like got mad at Dean, which happens a couple of times. Like I liked that. I like that he, it digs in a little bit more. Um, I like that those were turning points. I think of the relationship for both characters. Um, I thought those scenes were well done. Also the setting was really well done. Um, I'm not a super visual reader, but I felt pretty grounded in this fic. Um, like I felt like I could visualize easily the farmhouse that they were living in and sort of the little life that they were building for themselves. And so I liked that a lot. There's a couple other things I want to get into, but I think broad strokes, those were the things that stuck out to me as I was reading. Yeah, I really enjoyed this as well. Um, definitely, I didn't even get a full chapter in before I was like, God, of course, this is Brenna's pick. Uh, <laughs> really potent energy. <laughs> yeah, just like make, making a homestead in a broad swath of open American land. And also like having all this unresolved trauma that you have a hard time talking about, but you don't really have a choice because <laughs> you're building a life with someone that you have a lot of shared history with. Anyway. Um, Sorry, it's just sometimes when uh, Nick and Reed talk about like what I like in a fic, like, it's true, but it also just makes me sound like I have so many fucked up problems. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, fair, I guess. <laughs> no, it's great. 
Yeah, it's just it's just funny. And it also felt like very true to the show. Um, I could totally see this as a post-canon coda. The characters felt very well characterized. I mean, like, what is fan fiction as a medium, if not a vessel for a good Dean Winchester characterization? That's just my opinion. <laughs> uh, if we really get back to our uh, roots as youths in fandom. <laughs> yeah, um, just like just good. And like, there's so much. I just love that there's this opportunity to slow down. Uh, and they're not like sitting by the campfire processing trauma every night like that's really not what this fic is but at the same time they're able to express a lot of things just by doing work I don't know I almost in a sense the this is going to be a wild comparison but the way that the emotions in this fic are sometimes dealt with reminded me of the spirited away fic uh wild I know I know wild just thinking about like the emotional stability that like good hard work can lend you sometimes i don't know that's a that's a half-formed thought but it was something that i was thinking about especially reading about like dean getting under a car and being like oh i'll feel better once i'm like working Mm -hmm. i think one of the things that i really liked about this fic is like in a lot of ways their life is easier now than it was before they're not like getting beat up constantly they're not trying to like save the world they're not actively like in between like a war between heaven and hell and like all the other stuff that goes on supernatural but like on a personal scale it's not necessarily easier like the kind of slowing down of a lot of other things in their life this sort of building of a routine and kind of a normalcy allows the kind of emotional things that have always been lurking to kind of come forward and now they're kind of confronted by those and I just thought the way that it did that was really effective um Like, even though, you know, they're, like, building a chicken coop and, like, getting chickens and, like, doing this other very, like, wholesome domestic things, like, their relationship is still kind of rocky and there's a lot of stuff that they kind of need to say to each other that hasn't been said. And they both have a really hard time saying that, which I think is very in character. Um, Like, I struggle with fics that are just like, oh, and now Dean can express his feelings. I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Is that the same Dean Winchester I know? <laughs> it doesn't sound like him. Um, so I really liked how this fic kind of handled a lot of those scenes. Like, we really got a sense of what it was that they were mad about, but how hard a time they had actually expressing that to each other over the course of this, but then kind of realizing this isn't something temporary. Like, they're trying to build a kind of more permanent life in a lot of ways they're gonna have to kind of get over some of these things and put them out there because otherwise they're just gonna keep kind of tearing down the foundation that they're trying to build um i thought that was handled really well in this fic uh like dean's kind of perpetual fear of cash just like up and leaving is one of the big things that haunts his like mental state in this fic um and then Cass also yeah sometimes leaving um so it's things like that that they kind of have to it's stuff like that that they have to like figure out their relationship with. Um, otherwise, it's the kind of thing that's just gonna like keep tearing down anything that they've built like over and over again. Kind of off that, something that I was thinking about that I think informed the way that I was viewing Dean and his mental state, and also like his relationship with Cass, was the fact that um, you find out through the fic that like they're not in this retirement because they wanted to be. Um, they get sort of forced into it by 
some British dudes. I don't know. I had Googled this at one point for the name of this organization, but I have since forgotten it. I'm so sorry. Brits or something. Um, But I think like with all of this unresolved trauma and stuff that Dean has and all of these unresolved feelings, he's not speaking with Cass. I feel like I feel like the headspace that he's in when you go into this fic is so informed by the fact that, like, this is not what he would have chosen for himself had he had the option. Um, And I think that's for the better because I think from what I know of canon and the one other fic that we write up for this podcast that is Supernatural, um, if faced with the option to keep monster hunting, Dean will just do that until he perishes. Um, But, like, because he didn't have this choice, like, now he's in a situation where things feel like unsteady it's not sort of what he would have chosen for himself sam is the one who kind of suggested that they be in this farmhouse and then sam left to go do his own thing and so like yeah of course dean has all of this stuff he doesn't know how to deal with and like all of these fears that this like life that they're supposedly building for themselves is just gonna like crumble away yeah just thinking about renegotiating relationships with people when your circumstances change, you know what I mean? Um, also thinking about what you were saying, Reed, there's a line later in the fic where Dean, his narration is like, I always thought I'd die bloody. And then he's like, I think I'm getting arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh. It's so funny that like their concerns are different now. Like, I don't know when your whole life is so perilous. Like they they did each die like multiple times. It's so weird to have to think about the long term and to think like, oh, I'll have time to fix my mistakes, to talk through conflicts, to establish myself in the world the way that I want to. It's just really, really interesting. I really liked that he had um, Rose as like his mentor and also boss, really. Well, boss first, um, but also kind of his gay mentor uh, of like, here's how you have a relationship in some ways it's sharing as her partner yeah um and the two of them are really it's it's really cool i think to have them as a model because i think it shows dean that it's possible uh he doesn't seem to even have love on his radar at all at the beginning of the fic uh it takes until later Cass, you find out in the fic and it's also not super hidden really that he's kind of in it the whole time emotionally um, Dean has to catch up and realize, like, oh, I'm cohabitating with my adult male best friend in the middle of nowhere, and I'm building him a chicken coop. And this is normal bro activities, like, Dean, <laughs> Dean, no. <laughs> so I do really like the juxtaposition of whatever the hell they're doing with this really, really solid relationship um, of women who Dean actively looks up to. I just thought that was a really smart decision on the author's part. Yeah, I really loved how it wrote in Rose and also kind of by proxy Sharon as her partner into Dean's life. I think it's something that he really needed. But I was also thinking a lot about, okay, you could say like Supernatural is fundamentally a show about blank and you could fill in that blank with many things, right? <laughs> like we, we all know this. But one of the things that you could say is Supernatural is fundamentally a show about like sons and fathers. Like that's a pretty core part of it. Like on one hand, like the relationship between John and then Dean and Sam, but then, you know, it's also supposed to be paralleled by like various people's relationship with God, like Cass's relationship with God, like some of the other like archangels, etc. It's not hidden. The show really likes to be sort of heavy handed with some of these like familial father son 
metaphors. But one thing I was thinking about a lot, um, especially in like my reread of this fic for this podcast, um, was how much this is not a fic about like Dean growing up to be like John. It's more of a fic almost about like Dean growing up to be kind of like Bobby, mm. Um, mm. which I thought was really interesting. Like it's not explicitly referenced anywhere, but there's a lot of things about the life Dean's building that just remind me of Bobby. Like not only has he kind of taken over the um, kind of like home base phone line kind of side of things like he's the one that all the other hunters keep calling for like advice and like to figure out how to kill monsters um but like he's also like working on all these cars and like working at like an auto shop and kind of lives in this farmhouse and I was just thinking about how like Bobby like never really got to be happy in the show because Supernatural is not really a show where people get to be happy um but also I think he had a really hard time like acknowledging that he did kind of have this family like like as much as he might have seen Dean and Sam as kind of his children like his sons that was only kind of made more explicit occasionally in the show um I think he had a really hard time kind of accepting that he had this family that he built like I don't think he was big on acknowledging the found family aspect of Supernatural. Um, But I really like that this fit kind of gives Dean some of these ways to like build a happier version for himself and to build one where like he does acknowledge the family that he has and like the relationship that he gets to have with Cass. Um, I don't know. I think if like if the show is kind of about like fixing the sins of the father, then like this isn't about like Dean fixing John's sins. It's kind of about him figuring out I don't want to say, like, fixing Bobby's sins, but, like, figuring out his own, like, kind of happy version of that existence, almost. Yeah. I don't know why I thought you were going to say it's about Cass fixing God's sins, and I was like, it's a tall (laughs) order sin. No. The show tried that at one point. It wasn't good. (laughs) I do think it's interesting when you're talking about familial relationships, how the two familial relationships that Dean has in this fic are not in it for most of this story. Um... So as I mentioned, like Sam, he had lived in the farmhouse with them, but that is all pre-fic. Um, so by the time the fic starts, it is just Dean and Cass and Sam's off doing his own thing. And Dean, at first, like, does not talk to Sam. There's a whole lot of tension there because, like, Sam and Cass are talking, but Dean and Sam are not. Um, and then Dean eventually, like, he goes to see Sam a couple times and towards the very end, uh, Dean sees his mother as well, which was a surprise to me when I read it. I was like, oh, she's alive. Didn't know that one. That's fun. Um, Supernatural is a show where at any point anyone could be living or deceased, and mm-hmm. I never know. Um, Let's welcome back Mary Winchester to the studio. Mary! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think what you're saying is so true about Dean finding these other sort of familial relationships in this new life that he's building, and I also think that is really interesting that in the fic, his brother and his mom are both pretty far away. His mom especially. I mean, Sam is there, I think, for some pretty pivotal scenes, but, like, there's a lot of distance, and, like, some of it gets bridged in the fic, but not all of it. So this fic is about 30,000 words long, and it's split into 10 chapters, which I thought was a really interesting choice. I actually liked it. I thought it let the fic move a little bit more quickly, because there's a lot of downtime in it. There's a lot of they're just in their house making plans for their house or Dean is just walking around or sometimes he's talking to people. Sometimes he goes out and like drinks or whatever. But a lot of the fic is just like 
what does it mean to make a home? It's a lot of really little domestic things. Um, so like not a ton of action really. And I think splitting it up the way that the author did allowed for movement. Um, and I thought that the chapters were split in smart moments. It was funny though, because the end of chapter eight, you have Cass going like, Dean, I need help. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And then the beginning of the next is like he needed car help or something. He was having car trouble. <laughs> so I was like, okay, actually, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Just the, the cliffhanger got me. Uh, but even that, I don't know. It was fun that the author can play with it to heighten that moment, which really was like actually fairly chill at the end of the day, because I think it really highlighted like what it meant for cast to ask dean for help the the why didn't actually matter as much as much as feeling that in the moment and that connection and what that means in their relationship at this moment in time so i liked that a lot i thought that it it was really smart about the way that it told this story and i appreciated that oh also the art is amazing i wanted to shout that out really quickly um yeah there's art interspersed in this fic and it is really beautiful of different scenes yeah the art in this fic was done by tumblr user hello said the moons who is now an archive blog i think but it's just so beautiful i really loved the style of it i thought it captured some of my favorite scenes really really well and i don't know it's always cool to have a multimedia experience when you're reading so i thought that was awesome yeah i absolutely loved that as well I think the art did a really good job of kind of reflecting the tone and atmosphere of the fic as well. Um, It really captures these kind of quieter moments between them, but those moments are also kind of the most important ones. And I think the art helps to emphasize that and like have that come through to the reader. Um, So I really like that aspect of it as well. Like I thought the scenes that they chose to illustrate were, were really good. I think one of the things I really liked about this fic, and uh, this could be off-putting to other readers if they don't like fics like this, but I liked it is kind of how um, slow their relationship evolved. Like, I thought it was the right choice in this fic for me because these feelings have kind of existed in, like, the back of Dean's head for a while, I think. He just doesn't really want to acknowledge them, and they've definitely existed for Cass, but, like, the actual progression of them getting to a point where they can acknowledge them and then getting to a point where they can even kind of work out how to have a relationship together is a very like slow evolution throughout this fic. And I just thought that 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 was the right choice here. I liked that it didn't have a ton of like angst and a ton of like big dramatic like confessions and things like that. I liked that it was quieter. And there are a lot of kind of scenes that almost feel unresolved. Like there's a lot of these conversations that kind of just like end without them really kind of finishing what they need to say to each other. But that feels really accurate to the characters in the show. (laughs) And like the fact that even though you as the reader know that there's more emotions to be expressed, I think they only have the bandwidth to like kind of hand out like a little bit at a time almost of themselves to each other um so I just really liked that aspect of it I thought the pacing um was really good and I just I just thought it was the right choice for this environment to kind of have uh them slowly develop uh this relationship over the time of the fic yeah I think the relationship development as you said was exactly in line sort of with the overall tone of this fic um as I mentioned, I did not get swept up in the Destiel craze of November. Um, and yet, like, in their coming together scene, I felt very tender. Like, the bit where Cass is like, we're going to do what we've always done, make it up as we go. I was like, oh, this is very sweet. Um, it felt exactly right for the story that this fic was trying to tell. 
one other thing that I thought that this fic did really well in terms of kind of the prose and writing style was it does this thing where like it will kind of just show you something for a while and then one character will kind of explicitly say that thing out loud and I think the way that it's handled here is really good like in the first chapter for instance um Dean is kind of you know like this whole fic he's kind of struggling to figure out what his new place in the world is what his relationship with Cass is and you know that there are these things bothering him but it's kind of only shown to you and it's not really like explicitly stated what's bothering him until you get to the very last bit of the chapter where he's talking to Sam and Sam's like you know he's not going anywhere right and that kind of puts into light everything else that you've just read Dean going through because it's always like this thing that he can't admit in his like head like we're not getting that in the monologue there isn't really a lot of like expression of feelings that way we're really getting that clarity through like these short little lines that like a character will say to another character that kind of then as you go back it really informs what you've just kind of seen them do and I just thought that that was handled really well um I think that's just something I like in prose and like in writing um and I thought it was an effective choice here because yeah, I think Dean's someone who tries very hard to not think about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it needs to be said by someone else. But then as soon as you, the reader, are thinking about it in that way, it like all kind of comes together. Um, so yeah, I really love that. So that was my fic, uh, Where the Weeds Take Root by Death Banjo, um, which, side note, is just a really great AO3 name. B big fan of Death Banjo's work. Um, would highly recommend. Uh, yeah, so just a kind of quieter, um, more internal fic about sort of a post-canon reality where Dean is figuring out what his life is going to look like and realizing that that's something he wants to build with Cass. Um, yeah, really love this one. Thanks for tuning in. My pick for this episode is The Pond Continuum by Katie Falls. It's a Doctor Who fic. Amy slash Rory is the couple. It is sort of canon compliant. It's to my... I, I'll let you know um, what you need to know about Doctor Who pretty soon for anyone who hasn't watched all of it. But um, to my understanding, like it is canon compliant. Canon just is kind of weird timeline. Well, compliance maybe is a strong word. Can canon speculative. It's plausible, but Ooh. we don't know that this happened. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really have any content warnings for this fic. Um, it is pretty closely aligned with the canon, so if something would show up in the show Doctor Who, it's probably fair play for this fic, but for the most part, it's pretty chill. They're just kind of living a life. Um, all right. So let's talk about the premise. Doctor Who is a show in which the Doctor is a time-traveling alien magic wizard guy who has a <laughs> phone booth that he jumps around time in. Um, and he does not say Spelunky, but that seems like something that he could say <laughs> in the show if the writers were not cowards, in my opinion. Um, he has companions who are just regular people who get swept up in the drama of it all and go with him places across time and stuff. Um, and they're all quite different from each other and they don't ever seem to last that long, so awkward. Um, Amy and Rory are two such companions who accompanied Doctor Number 11. Uh, there's 13 of them now. 
there will be a 14th eventually, I have to assume, but I don't know. Um, anyway, Dr. Eleven, Matt Smith. Oh, bet you didn't know I knew that one. <laughs> uh, that's him. So they are with him. Uh, they were already dating when they became companions, and then they get married in the course of the show. Um, okay, also, there's this thing called Weeping Angels that are these creepy statues, and if you stare at them, then they can't kill you, but if you take your eyes off of them, they well, they don't really kill you. They displace you in time. Scary. Apparently, it's kind of scary, though. Um, Amy and Rory have some... They, they do a bunch of stuff with the doctor. Rory gets stuck adjacent to a box for like 2,000 years. Um, that's a whole issue, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. He's fine. Uh, and eventually, they both are like, this is it. I, have, I assume this is how it went. They were like, this is it. And then they closed their eyes and went to the past because the angels were like, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> is that the sound they make, Brenna? <laughs> um, I... <laughs> uh, boy, do they even make any sound? I don't remember. Uh, well, it's a good question. Whatever. It's a good question. Well, they're kind of stone statues who are angels shaped. Uh huh. Um, but I don't know if they really make noise. Let they us don't know, speak. figlets. <laughs> figlets. If you ever wanted us to do a fic, or you're curious about like what it would look like if we covered a fic, where the only things we knew about it were through sort of general internet osmosis, that intro is a pretty good <laughs> indication. I of love how it Doctor goes. Who. All 15 minutes I've seen of it. <laughs> I'm unironically obsessed with how Nick talks about Doctor Who. I love I think it's it. It's great. I want to watch that show. Vincent Van Gogh, you're great, Vincent. He weeps. There was one time when Nick and I were in a car together, and I don't know how we got on the topic of Doctor Who, but we started sort of like going back and forth about our very limited knowledge. And I wish so badly I had recorded that conversation because I think Breno would have maybe just perished on the spot at how <laughs> wrong we were about so many things like oh did we did not know, have a I might have clue. really enjoyed it I wasn't that far <laughs> off you didn't think Rory was trapped for like 2,000 years that was correct I didn't have any opinion on that when we were talking about this in our pre-discussion you were like the box the Pandorica and I was like I just that part of the fic I just sort of gave up on I was yeah, like Whoop. come on Reed come on the Pandorica literally I'm the so Pandorica sorry <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway yeah so that's all the doctor who knowledge you really need for this fic um amy and rory are yeeted back to 1930 um well away don't worry from rory's gravestone that they spotted at one point in canon i guess in like the 1980s is that right i don't if know if you think i remember <laughs> this part of doctor who you would okay. be sorely mistaken right sorry <laughs> like, i, I kind of probably remember the general you. shape of it but not any of the specifics i okay. did kind of read a summary of the episode where this happens ah. um angels take manhattan and right. i was like what like this happened i don't remember it so yes the fic does say 1980 oh 1980 look at that i knew it 1980s All right. yeah perfect 1980s part of the 1980s read yeah, I well, I was correcting myself because I said 1980, okay. but the fic actually says 1980s. Oh, I was so right. God, I'm a legend. Okay, perfect. Yes. So they're like, you know what? We got time. Let's just, I guess, live out the rest of our lives here because uh, that's that's what it is. Um, it's a five plus one fic, which I thought was really fun, uh, where they encounter doctor companions and or the doctor five times. And then one time they are the ones who are encountered by someone else. Cute. 
um yeah i just thought it was a lot of fun it's really well written i like the prose a lot i didn't find it super hard to follow uh despite my posturing again i have seen about 15 minutes of doctor who so uh, literally tumblr osmosis and then what brenna has told me leading up to this fic uh is what i know so the fact that i was able to read it even before brenna told me these things and pick it should hopefully be a sign that if you're not familiar you should be able to follow it okay um, yeah, it's them kind of going through different points in history, meeting some folks, lots of fun cameos and references to things, and I just thought it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed reading it a lot. Just one other thing I'd like to add to Nick's sort of general um, Doctor Who knowledge is that we have a Google Sheets where we drop all of our like links for the fix that we're going to pick so that all of us like can access them to read them, and we have a little space for notes, which we quite honestly don't use very often. But I would just like to read Nick's note for this fic, which I saw before I clicked on it. The pawns after, I think, the weeping angel business? Question mark, question mark. Lots of cameos from other, what are they called? Assistants? And then all caps, companions. I remembered. Um, Yeah, that really made me laugh. Uh, I really appreciated that. I liked this fic a lot. Um, Quite honestly, five plus one is not a trope that I usually enjoy. Um... It sometimes feels repetitive, and after, like, three instances of sort of the same thing occurring, I'm like, okay, this feels like enough times for this coincidence to have happened. Um, I absolutely loved this here. Um, I think maybe because it was sort of a different version of a 5 plus 1 than I've normally seen. I think usually a 5 plus 1 is some sort of getting together. Um, This was just about Amy and Rory living their lives throughout different time periods, or I guess just living their lives um, throughout the years. I know simply nothing about Doctor Who, and this still felt super readable. Um, I caught most of the super overt references. Um, Did not know who Sarah Jane was. My deepest apologies to her. Um, And also Canton at the end, I wasn't super familiar with. But the other ones I knew. Um, I I just thought this was fun. It felt very fitting for Nick because, like, it is about a relationship like Amy and Rory are together and very much are sort of the center of each other's lives like this is who they're sticking to as they go through all these tumultuous journeys um but it I don't want to say it felt like a gen fic but it almost it felt like it had similar themes kind of like the point of this fic was not about the romance even though at the end I think it was very sweet about their relationship um but yeah I don't know this felt very much as I was reading it like yes this makes sense for Nick to have brought this um it was sweet. It was good. I, as I was reading it, I was like, I'm sure if you know all of the references to Doctor Who, this is even more enjoyable, but I didn't need them to have a good time reading this fic. Yeah, I really loved this. I was kind of surprised that Nick chose it, not necessarily because of like the prose or the characterization or any of that. Just like, to me, it felt like a fic where you kind of needed a lot of Doctor Who knowledge, but it was interesting to hear my co-hosts differ (laughs) from that. Um, I think it's just because this is very referential to the show. Like, it makes a lot of references that if you know the other characters, you can kind of piece it together with things that happened in the show. But yeah, I guess it's not really, like, necessary to have that knowledge. Um, Yeah, I'm the only one of us who has seen Doctor Who. I have seen, I think, all of it. Um, There might be, like, a recent Christmas special I haven't seen. Anyway, that's not really the point. Um, I do not have the best memory of parts of it, though, I will admit. (laughs) Like I said earlier, like, the episode that this kind of jumps off from, the last episode that Amy and Rory were in, I don't remember that at all. 
<laughs> I remember that it happened, but like some of the timeline stuff by that point got so confusing. Um, I, yeah, oof. Um, this fic, however, is not very confusing in terms of timeline because it's just chronological through time as they progress through these different events. Um, yeah, I found it really delightful also because most of these scenes, like all of the five up to the plus one, um, are kind of referencing various other episodes of Doctor Who. I guess the one where they meet um, Sarah Jane isn't really like a particular episode. I think it was more just something like we know about her. Um, but the other ones kind of reference particular like episodes of new Doctor Who. Um, and they like run into the different Doctors and Companions like as they pop around through time and as Amy and Rory continue on their now linear timeline. Um, yeah, it was just really delightful. Like, I have more to say about it as we sort of get into pulling it apart. Um, but I really loved it. It made me very nostalgic for the show. Like, I really want to go back and rewatch some of my favorite bits. Um, yeah, as much as, like, we were clowning on, like, 2013 Tumblr and, like, its popular shows earlier, like, I have a genuine love for Doctor Who. It was not always the best show. Um, at times it was not even a good show. But I think when it's good, it's really good. And that's the part of it I love. So, Right. When, when there's Donna Noble. I love Donna. She's and great. She's with number 10. Mm -hmm. David Tennant. <laughs> oh. oh, look at you. <laughs> yeah, one thing I really, really loved about this fic is a thing that I really like about a lot of established relationship fic, actually. We were talking about this recently in the Discord, not to age this episode, but um, was just thinking about how much I like it and how much of a bad rep I think it gets. Like, people, it's okay to be in love and then still do things after, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're, like, your life doesn't end no. once you have that first kiss or whatever. Like, I love pining as much as the next lad, but, like, I just really liked how solid their relationship was in this. Really, all I knew about Amy and Rory before I, like, actively learned more things was, like, they're just together. And that's it. Good for them. Um, so that was like, it was cool to see that reflected in this fic. And I really liked that, you know, there is enough external tension of just like being human beings living in the world who have been through so much and are able to see their own history sometimes reflected in this world's present that they've ended up in. Um, I just liked that a lot. I liked the just really solid relationship that they had and how everything revolved around it. I don't know. It's, I feel like you don't really see that that much in fic. So I appreciated it as a, the bedrock of this fic. Yeah. This fic did make me wish I remembered the ups and downs of Rory and Amy's canon relationship a little <laughs> bit better than I do. <laughs> because I think there's some moments that like would hit harder if I remembered stuff about them. My co-hosts were asking me, like, how they got together and, like, when they met each other and when they met the doctor and everything. And I was like, um, <laughs> great question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, especially in one one of the later scenes where uh, Rory actually runs into the ninth doctor um, and kind of towards the end of this little mini conversation they're having, he realizes, like, he's talking to the doctor again and he kind of makes a choice 
not to tell Amy that and not, not to like really engage with the doctor again or like try and go somewhere with him again. Um, and one that was just a very perfectly Rory moment, I think. Like I thought that was a great characterization choice. Um, but he does kind of say some stuff like Nine kind of asks Rory, like, if you were going to go anywhere, where would you go? And Rory kind of answers with like, back to the beginning, like, and I'd tell Amy it was all going to work out. And I was like, wow, I wish I really wish I could remember <laughs> what happens in canon. But regardless, like even just knowing kind of um, the shape of like them having been the doctor's companions and like going through so many adventures and so many like twists and turns and crazy stuff and you know Rory being like alive through time for like 2,000 years like guarding the Pandorica and stuff like that being his answer I thought was just like a great character choice and like just a very Rory moment that I loved. Something I found so so fun about this fic was um like once Amy and Rory are sort of like okay, like, this is it, like, these are our circumstances, and we're just gonna, like, do our best to live it, is, um, it kind of mentions that they, like, cheat a little bit using their knowledge of the future to, like, live their lives and, like, get ahead in their careers. Like, Amy is a journalist, um, and they both know, like, they can't change history. Something, a quote from the doctor about fixed points. Ooh, there's a reference. Um, (laughs) they both know they can't meddle with history or, like, make significant changes, but they can position themselves slightly advantageously with the knowledge that they're given so as a journalist amy sort of puts herself in the right place right time but specifically she covers like ordinary people instead of like i don't know if if there's like a celebrity event or like a big thing like she doesn't talk to the people at the center of it she talks to the people who are affected by it um which i really really liked and I just, I mean, I just thought it was fun, first of all, that they were like, it's not really cheating. Like, we have this knowledge. We might as well use it. We're, like, not going to be, like, that overboard with it. Um, But another thing I liked is that by putting herself, or by both of them putting themselves sort of in the positions that they were, is how they ran into these encounters with the other people from the show. I think one of my favorite cameos was the one where they see Rose. Um, And I think it was indicative sort of of, like, Amy living through her life where she is now and also the fact that like when they have these encounters they both are sort of able to tell that like they've just had a brush with if not the doctor then someone adjacent to the doctor um and I really enjoyed that as well yeah for sure I really like what you said about Amy seeking out the people who have been affected by what's happening because like she and Rory are the people who have been affected by this stuff just like so drastically i just really like that also you talk about rose did remind me she was in the 15 minutes of doctor who that i watched mm. like very rose, exciting nice. you'll be late to work it's my impression of rose's mom in episode one oh. of new who <laughs> yeah pretty good <laughs> thank you i remember very little um but i do remember that and i was like rose i felt like we were homies because i had seen her on the screen before. <laughs> and in like a lot of gifts where it's snowing and the doctor's like single tear and it's like new year's or something and they're like goodbye oh spoilers for doctor who i guess i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> i don't think you need to spoiler warn for that it was Great. many many i don't have ago. context anyway it's supposed to be sad though uh, so what are you gonna do mm-hmm. um yeah i think another one of my favorite cameos i guess sort of um was river who is 
their daughter, I guess. Don't ask me how that works or what that means. I have literally no idea. Um, I know that River says no spoilers. No, no, no. You can't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's like her thing. No, no, no. Uh-uh. So I did like that. But I don't know. I just thought it was a really interesting scene because the dynamics were so weird. Like, that's my daughter, but is it? But it is. But, like, what's that mean even? Um, Just weird. But, like, I thought that the fic did a really interesting job of interplaying their dynamics of, like, River being the one who has so much more knowledge about the Doctor and about what happens in the future and is more connected to that world. But then the literal dynamic of like that's my dad (laughs) i don't know i liked it a lot though i think that's a scene that probably would have hit maybe a little bit harder for me if i really knew anything aside from like pandorica about that period of time for him and i guess what came after it i really don't know but um i thought that was just like a really really cool encounter and I liked the way that the author, A, used it in the first place, and then B, positioned it amidst all of these ones with people that Amy and Rory really don't know. When you say you don't really know what's going on with, like, the timeline or the logistics of her uh-huh. being their daughter, Brenna, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I don't know that the showrunners did either, to be honest, <laughs> when they made that plot point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say that the showrunners had an idea, um... But was that idea comprehensible to the rest of us? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the thing is, Fair. like, Doctor Who has always been a kind of confusing show timeline-wise. Like, that's just in the nature of having a show about time travel. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, I think different writers have had different, slightly different conceptions of how time travel works. So sometimes the show does kind of contradict itself about, like, how time travel works in the show like earlier you mentioned like fixed points and stuff like yeah sometimes those are mentioned but then other episodes you're like wait wouldn't that have worked this way (laughs) it like doesn't make any sense um yeah the the river song is their daughter thing i think it's just like a kind of a classic moffat era thing (laughs) where like he was trying to create more and more like twists and surprises and stuff and some of them really paid off and some of them were baffling and um, I found myself in the baffled category uh, regarding how any of the stuff with River and Amy and Rory worked. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I just, I didn't know enough to be confused. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. Well, it's like you first meet River in these very like one-off episodes of like um, Ten's era and you're like, oh cool, like a time traveler from the future who has like this history with the Doctor but they're kind of moving in different directions so they can like you know, like the first time the doctor meets river is like the last time river meets the doctor like that's kind of how it works but then it all gets way more complicated than that uh during 11 so yeah that's all i can offer yeah i one of the things i really loved about this fic is doctor who sometimes gets very meta with itself i think and one of the ways it does that is Sometimes you'll have an episode that really focuses more from an outsider POV rather than from the doctor or his companions, which is how the show usually works. Um, and one of the like most kind of iconic episodes of this is Blink, um, which is the first time we meet the Weeping Angels, um, in which our sort of char- main character of that episode, Sally Sparrow, like deals with these creatures with only like one kind of chance encounter with the doctor where she like finds out what they are and like what to do about them but 
it kind of is reflective more of like, okay, what if we were in the point of view of someone who just has this one moment with the doctor? How does that like affect their lives um, versus someone who spends, you know, much longer with the doctor and goes on all these adventures with him? Um, and I thought it was just really clever how this fic kind of reverses or like, I thought it was really clever how this fic kind of also uses that um, dynamic and like changes it so that Amy and Rory now are the ones kind of having these chance encounters. They're kind of like now the background characters to these other episodes, like the one where they run into Rose and Ten. Like, you know, if if they were in that episode, Amy would just be in some background shot, like interviewing Rose for like a few moments and she'd just be some character we like never thought of again. Uh, But instead of like, we're in her point of view and she's just kind of having this one moment with Rose and like I just thought it was really clever how it did that and it felt really right to kind of to make this stick work um kind of have Amy and Rory kind of be these just normal people living their lives like as much as they can (laughs) uh when they used to be time travelers um and I guess in some ways kind of still are time travelers like they're not where they're really kind of quote supposed to be um but yeah, I just thought that was really lovely and and worked really effectively for me uh, through this fic and and just kind of made me think of like that overall meta aspect of Doctor Who that I think it kind of asks itself sometimes of like the uh, whose stories are we telling and like from what perspective, um, like what do these events do to people's lives? And and I just like those questions I like when Doctor Who asks them and I liked what this fic did with it. I think that ties really well into the ending, too, because the plus one is um, Amy and Rory visiting Canton, um, who, for him, he had seen them yesterday when they were quite young. Um, And then they show up at his door and they are now 70 years old. And he's like, what is this? And they're like, haha, time travelers, remember? Um, But for them, they're like, we've been waiting quite a long time to come back and, like, see you again. And I feel like that is a really good intersection of... Like, here was a character who, Bren, I think you said he was in a couple episodes. Yeah, a handful. He's not, like, a companion. He was just a reoccurring character for a little bit. So, like, here's a character where he is not quite, like, a complete background character, but he's not someone you think about for more than a little bit. Um, But now, like, Amy and Rory are also sort of in the same position that he was. Like, they've just had a couple of Mm -hmm. these encounters with the Doctor's companions and... I don't know. I It felt like a very sweet and satisfying way to wrap up the fic. I would agree. I also do need to say to all of you, as I said to my co-hosts yesterday in mm. pre-discussion, that I was laughing a lot during that sort of end scene because um, this character, Canton Everett Delaware Third or whatever his name is, um, is played in the show by Mark Shepard, who also plays Crowley in Supernatural, and is someone that I blame for Super Hulak. Uh, on, on my list of things I blame for Super Hulak, Mark Shepard is on there. Um, so just the fact that we were kind of loosely structuring this episode around Super Hulak and the fact that his character showed up in this fic as like kind of this poignant moment <laughs> was really making me laugh. It all comes together, baby. Uh-huh. And on that note, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we, we've said a lot of what I really love about this fic. Pond Continuum is a really fun and interesting and celebratory look at what could have happened to Amy and Rory after their exit from the show. Um, and I liked how 
looped in it kept them with the world of the doctor without fully immersing them back into it or asking more of them so really appreciated that really liked this fic had a good time discussing it and looking forward to locking in the end of this episode with reed's fic uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> So as I said in the beginning of the episode, my fic is Equilibrium by August Bird. It is none other than a John Locke fic. I did briefly consider not bringing a John Locke fic just in terms of like what I personally wanted to read when delving back into the Sherlock tag, but I was like, listen, if we're doing Super Who Lock, I just, I have to go all in. Um, as I mentioned, I found this fic through Brenna. I texted Brenna and was like, SOS, I've read like seven Sherlock fics in two days and none of them are what I'm looking for. And uh, Brenna really came through with this one. I do think to fully appreciate this fic, you do need some context. So this fic is based off of two premises, one being the episode, The Hounds of Baskerville, which was season two, episode two. Um, very briefly, what happens in the episode, by the way, I... I'm not telling you about Sherlock as a show. I am assuming via general pop culture you have picked up, if you've never watched BBC Sherlock, I feel reasonably assured saying that, dear listener, whoever you are, you are probably familiar with, like, at least the concept of the characters. <laughs> um, so that being said, this particular episode, this guy basically shows up to Sherlock. He's like, hey, 20 years ago, I had a vision of a monstrous hound. And recently I went back to where it happened and I saw it again and you should investigate it. And at first Sherlock is like, no. And then he's like, hmm, it's weird that you use the word hound. Let me actually go see what's going on. Um, so they go to the area where this man had seen this hound and basically find out that nearby is Baskerville, which is a military defense research base. Um, and part of that research base includes a genetics lab. Um, so as they're sort of investigating, trying to figure out what's going on in this town, why a bunch of people are like seeing this like monstrous hound, um, John is in the lab and he ends up seeing or like thinking he sees the vision, the like monster. Um, he locks himself in a cage. He calls Sherlock for help and eventually gets out. Um, so they figure out sort of like who is behind it, all of that. And towards the end of the episode, John realizes that Sherlock had locked him in the genetics lab on purpose in order to test his theory that there was like some sort of hallucinogen in the area. Um, so that is that episode. And the other thing that this is based on is the short story Flowers for Algernon. Um, if you, like us, have not read it in many, many, many years, um, I will give you a very quick rundown of that short story as well. Um, so basically, a man named Charlie gets chosen for an experimental procedure that will increase his IQ um, after scientists saw great success with a mouse uh, named Algernon, who they had also done the same procedure on. And his IQ does skyrocket, but shortly afterwards, Algernon begins to decline and eventually dies, and Charlie realizes that as his intelligence is waning, he is going to follow the same trajectory as this mouse. Um, so with that cheerful story in mind, um, the premise of this fic is that um, it follows the beginning of the plot of Hounds of Baskerville. John gets locked in the genetics lab, um, and while there, he is accidentally stabbed with a needle. Um, and he gets infected with a virus that greatly increases his intelligence. Um, 
and from there sort of sort of i guess is a fusion of these two stories um before i get any further into sort of my thoughts about this fic um i do want to give some content warnings i think the first content warning and probably the most prominent one that i want to give is um that a pretty heavy theme in this fic is that this is a degenerative neurological condition that does result in reduced cognitive functioning so there are sort of themes of mental disability um, throughout the fic. And even though this is uh, a neurological condition, I do think it can sort of mirror degenerative chronic illness in general. Also, as John like realizes he's been infected with this and as other people realize, he becomes kind of like an unwilling participant to these like science, I don't want to say experiments, but like they are trying to figure out like what is going on with him um, and... There's no, like, experiments done on John that are not just, like, mental, but that is just sort of a general warning. Um, and I think the last one along a similar line is uh, there is animal testing in this as well as they're studying this disease. Um, so those are sort of the content warnings that I have going into this. That all being said, Brenna had sent me a number of fix um, as she'd gone back through her Sherlock tag. And um, this one, I was like... I was a little hesitant about for a couple of reasons. Like, it sounded like a pretty heavy premise. Um, and also, quite honestly, we talked about this a little bit in our previous episode uh, with The Student Prince, which was written in 2012, I think, or 2011, somewhere around there. Um, you know, I just, I think some fics that are older, like this fic was written in 2012. Um, just the language that is used in it, I think, is different than the fics that are being written today. So I was like... I don't know how this topic is going to go. Um, and I actually really, really liked this fic a lot, obviously. So I brought it to the pod um, and I thought it was really well done. One of the things that I was really looking for was case fic because like, what better show than Sherlock to have case fic? And yet when I went into the tag, almost nothing is tagged for case fic. Um, this is not exactly like, I think the most typical case fic, but it's also not, not that. Um, and so I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this fic was that, like, the plot was super engaging. I think it moved really quickly. Um, it always felt like something was happening and progressing and sort of almost at a speed that you couldn't control. Um, but also not like I was overwhelmed at any point. Like, I was fully in step with the story every bit of the way. This fic also, like, I was I was a little bit nervous about it for the premise. And yeah, it did hurt. Like, there were some points where I was like, oof, oh my god, this hits heavy um there were some scenes where i was like left me reeling a little bit um also something i just thought was really fun about this fic and that i want to get into a little bit more later is um that the author did a dvd commentary for it on live journal um which felt so so indicative of the time it was written like people are still doing similar things today but i think the specific way that the comments were formatted and like what was being said um was really delightful to read there's so much fan art for this too which i just thought was like i don't know it was i think the the best representation of sort of what fandom looked like at that time and community and people coming together and loving a thing um and so I really enjoyed that as well. Like, it was a really good fic and also, I think, showcased the parts of fandom that were good and that don't make me want to die a little bit reminiscing on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a lot to say about this, but I've been talking for quite a while, so I'll turn this over to my co-hosts. Yeah, I liked this fic so much more than I thought I was going to, and I don't mean that in, like, a backhanded way at all. Part of it was my own... Um, 
altered memory of the story Flowers for Algernon um, (laughs) and also not reading tags because I just generally don't. I'll be honest, listeners, I'll tell you, there's not a major character death warning on this fic. Um, So when I read Flowers for Algernon, I was like, I don't know, 10 maybe? I was quite young. Um, I went back and looked, you know, there is spoilers for Flowers for Algernon. uh, The implication (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the story that Charlie, who is the main character, does die sometime after the events of the story take place. Um, He doesn't die in the scope of the story. For some reason, in my memory, he totally died at the end of the story. That was like really clear, extremely explicit. I was like, John does not stand a chance. No way. Uh, so the whole time I was reading, I was like, he's gonna die. Like that really sucks, but I'm gonna keep reading. Surprised that Reed picked this, but like, I'll roll with it. <laughs> I know it was a challenge, you know, maybe they were just like, this is it. We're doing it. Um, so the ending really shocked me. I was like, he what he's alive (laughs) good for him Um, I was happy for him I just was really really taken aback Um, aside from that yeah I think that I had my doubts about the way the subject matter was going to be handled Um, I think we see a lot of casual and not so casual ableism in fic and in fandom and in the world in general Um, and so I was really nervous about that for sure going into it but I thought that honestly from my perspective at least it was pretty respectfully handled and there wasn't moral judgment assigned to intelligence i think that was the biggest thing for me that made this not only readable but enjoyable as a work of fiction so i appreciated that a lot you can tell that the author really knows science and the first intro author's note is so charming they were like how much science can i cram into this and then i put more and i was like you're so valid (laughs) Really, really loved that. And it totally came across not only in the like plot and explanations of things, but there's little sections of like scientific papers and research scattered throughout that I am no scientist, but seemed pretty authentic and like accurate to me. So yeah, I mean, overall, this is like so different from pretty much anything I've read. And I liked that a lot. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I have more thoughts. I'll get to them later. Overall, I just thought this was really good. Yeah, this fic held up. Um, I know I read this back in the day, like probably when it was posted. Um, but as I was looking back through things for read, I was not reading them in full before sending them. I was just kind of reading the beginning to see if like the prose and the characterization and the story style seemed like something uh, that we'd be looking for. Um, so I was like, okay, read. good luck with this one. I don't remember anything about it. Um, but rereading it, I, I really enjoyed it again. Um, yeah, I I similarly to my co-hosts was kind of apprehensive about some of the subject matter um, because you just don't know how that's going to go. Um, and I thought it handled it really well. It I think another thing is like it was never gratuitous in um, any of it. Like it it was just very matter of fact. And I think we'll get to that later, kind of, because uh, I know it's something we all talked about in pre-discussion. But like uh, I think the pro style really helped out with kind of telling the story. Um, I also think like John was a really good character choice for this story. Um, and not just within like the world of Sherlock. Honestly, I think just in general, he was a good character choice. He um, has a lot of empathy, but he's also a doctor. And he's just very like straightforward and matter of fact when he kind of uh, thinks about and like talks about what's happening to him. Um, and I think that that was like a, a great choice for telling this particular story. Um, 
I think also because of that, some of the emotional moments hit pretty hard. Uh, you don't always see them coming. They're just like these, some of these little conversations or like realizations that John has where you're like, oh my God. Um, and they're not even necessarily like the relationship moments. Like I had more feelings about their kind of friendship and like partnership in other regards, but like it's some of the just the realizations that John has about like what's happening to him and like what's going to be happening to him. And like, also the fact that this all is kind of Sherlock's fault. Like, he didn't, you know, he wasn't the one who actually, like, stabbed John with a needle on purpose, knowing that this, like, was, the needle was contaminated with this virus or whatever. But, like, you know, uh, it was still kind of his fault because he's the one who, like, locked John in there. Um, and so there's some moments, like, revolving around that that, like, hit really hard. Um, but yeah, I, wow. Finding a Sherlock fic that I still enjoyed in 2021. <laughs> like, it was a hard deed, but you did it. Um, and I was happy to reread this one. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things you mentioned there that I just really want to get into. Like, the fact that this is Sherlock's fault? Absolutely, I think, one of the hardest hitting parts of this fic. I think almost especially so because at the beginning, when John is just sort of like, slowly having like faster thought processes and stuff when he's on crime scenes with Sherlock and he's putting together clues as fast if not faster than Sherlock and Sherlock gets kind of like he gets like a little bit jealous and like I don't know his his ego is bruised is sort of um what John says later but um I, I feel like this juxtaposition of in the beginning when when Sherlock is like unhappy with what's happening to John because it threatens i guess his his understanding of self and sort of his place in like london as a detective um and then later as they realize like this is a really horrible thing like this is probably going to be a really horrible thing for john everything just sort of flips but it doesn't do so abruptly like i think this fic did such a good job with the sherlock arc especially as seen through john there's a bit where you know sherlock says i did this and john thinks internally about absolving Sherlock but instead just says it's fine it's not it's super not fine um like oof oh my god and then later well a couple different times throughout the fic Sherlock tries to get the virus himself um because he's convinced that if he can sort of advance his own brain he'll be able to find a solution and help save John and over and over John is like absolutely not i'm not letting you do this to yourself to the point that like john sort of um he ends up in a lab with a couple other people like specifically working on this problem like their whole thing is focused on like how do they stop what's happening to john and he puts in a fail safe so that when future john might not remember to stop sherlock other people will um and that hit really hard i think too yeah that sherlock it's like still it's still about pride somehow, even when it's about like caring and fear. It's still, if I'm this smart now, how much smarter could I be? And if if I get to that point, I can save him, right? That's like, oh, it just really gets me how much pride is wound up in his character and how that kind of gets chipped at quite a lot by what John is going through and how when when Sherlock can't focus so intensely on like I have to find a way to fix this and like I specifically am the only one that can like when that gets thrown out the window a little bit I feel like that's one of the really interesting 
relationship development stuff was happening even as John was like really in a um not in a great place like again at this point I thought he was dying so I was like I don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> I thought they were gonna like Romeo and Juliet it like oh, oh my god <laughs> like, John's dying so then Sherlock is gonna do it then he's gonna be dying like a mess a mess uh so they both survived the fix spoilers <laughs> um but yeah I don't know there's that piece like the was so interesting especially juxtaposed against John who ultimately again spoiler horns beep, 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 um he saves himself and to me that is another reason this arc worked for me that even when um, his cognitive functioning is really really degenerating he his research that he had done and the work that he had done when he was able to is the thing that loops around and saves him it's not somebody else or somebody else's work and I thought that was really interesting and really pushed against maybe expectations from other people or from even what the fic was starting to set up itself yeah, there's a line in the fic um, that John thinks with, quote, sickening clinical detachment, how absolutely brilliant Sherlock might have become. Um, and in the DVD commentary uh, in Life Journal about this bit, I thought this was so interesting. The author said, um, maybe because John wanted deep down, really far down in his subconscious for Sherlock, who saved him from himself, who saved so many people through his detective work, to come save him too. But John is not John, if not for his self-control and his loyalty, so he doesn't even think twice about putting precautions in place to prevent exactly that from happening. Um, ah, that's really good. Yeah. Oh, I just really loved it, especially, Nick, with what you were saying, too, about how, like, John is the one to save himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's very important that John is the one to save himself in this fic. Like, it'd be a very different fic if Sherlock was the one to, quote, save John. Like... Like, I think for their relationship to kind of stay balanced and um, for me to also like be rooting for them, it, it couldn't just be like Sherlock swooping in and like making everything okay or like brilliantly figuring this out and kind of leaving John in the dust. Um, like, I think it was important for me that like John be a very active participant in all of this. And like, for those reasons, even when John's condition has worsened and like he no longer remembers a lot of the stuff that he did, like not very long ago and like no longer is able to like process information in the same way that he was um he's still kind of the one leading all of this just his past self is now leading his future self and like i just thought that, that was really well done in this fic um i don't know i'm a big fan of the john of this fic like who knew <laughs> i just really liked him and like i was thinking about the end too like one of the places it differs from Flowers for Algernon is that John figures out, like, essentially a cure for this virus um, that will kind of stabilize his, like, neurological condition back to something right around his, like, previous state. So before he ever was infected with this virus. Um, and it seems to have worked at the end. We don't fully know like he says oh i'm back to my same self we don't really see how that plays out like we don't know if there's any future like issues that he faces um this is all entirely untested um but i was thinking about that and like how that's such like a fanfic choice like i think it was the right choice for this but it's like yeah like they didn't have to fix it for us and like flowers for algernon because we weren't like emotionally invested <laughs> in these characters we know and love right. as much as when you're going out to like read a piece of fan fiction um like i mean also this author could have just said fuck it john dies like there's plenty of other like major character death sherlock fic um but i don't know like that just struck me as such like a fic choice and one that i wasn't mad at because mm -hmm. of course i wanted it to work out for them and like you're so in like 
John knows he has such a short time to kind of work out this problem. Like, he knows his, like, mental, like, processing capacity has been, like, increased, but only for this limited period of time before it starts to degenerate. And he will no longer be able to work on this stuff. Like, he he later reads papers that he wrote just a couple months ago and, like, doesn't understand what he was talking about. And so it's really this, like, race against time, too, um, in a really interesting way, which I think adds to that sort of case fic feel yeah. as well uh like this problem they have to solve and they don't have forever to do it they they got to work quickly because they're on this limited time frame um because again john's kind of the only one who can do it and in this fic and i don't know i just really love that yeah what you were saying i was gonna say i love a plot twist he lives uh, but then i was thinking about that one bts fic i was following for months where it was tied with major character death, but then the MCD was the original character villain. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. You were telling us for like a while, like, oh, I think it's going to be this character. I think it's going to be this character. I really want it to be I this character. I have my theories. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 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 So that that's a different category uh, <laughs> of plot twist you lose. But I do think it really worked in this case. Like, yeah, it felt like a very fic choice, but like, I'm literally here reading fic. So I loved that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know what I'm about. Thank yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think one of the things too, that makes this like, oh, this is such a fic choice thing, even more delightful is um, you can tell in the fic, as Nick mentioned, that like, this author is writing not this exact thing from experience, but like, boy, this person is in the scientific field, into research, etc. And then you read the like DVD commentary, which I found so, so delightful. Like, there's a whole bit after an abstract where the author is like, well, like, I didn't do as much research to this as I could to like make it as accurate. And I was like, unless you are in the same field, I highly doubt you are judging the accuracy of this abstract. Um, but one of the things I really liked was like seeing this author sort of wrestle with like, here's all of the reasons why this is like scientifically, if not impossible, then at least very improbable. And then being like, here's all the reasons why I'm going to justify it anyway, because like, I love these characters. And like, here's the story I want to tell. Um, mm -hmm. I just I think it worked incredibly well. I also sort of going back to some other things that we had said and touching on something Brenna had said in pre-discussion. Um, I just want to talk a little bit, I guess, about how good this John is and how how John he is all the way through um, with one scene in particular. Um, something that Brenna had, had mentioned before we started recording was just that, like, even when John is at his, like, quote, like, most like Sherlock, like, he's still him. Um, and one of the scenes for me that that was most prominent in is where... Um, a couple scenes previous, Sherlock is basically like, oh, do you want me to teach you how to, like, have a mind palace? Because now you can sort of, like, conceptualize what that is. Um, and John's like, sure. And so at first his mind palace is 221B, um, which I think was very sweet that it was something familiar. Um, but in a later scene, Sherlock is asking about a couple things. And John mentions that he stores all of his medical knowledge in Afghanistan. And Sherlock is like, not many distinguishable features in a desert. I don't like to draw arbitrary lines in science. John agrees. Um, and first of all, I just, I thought that was a really nice, like, line. Like, yeah. it's a good sentiment, I think. Um, but I think for me, that also was, like, one of those moments where it was, like, this is who John is as a person. Uh, and this is John still being so true to himself, even as, like, his brain might be functioning more, like, quote, like Sherlock's or whatever. Yeah, that was a big part of, like, what I was thinking about with this fic throughout, like, 
how much John remains John um, throughout the sort of like arc of this narrative and like his various kind of changes to his like neurological condition. Um, one thing in the like John being John that I really did love was like him choosing 221B as his like mind palace organizational system. Um, and then Sherlock's kind of like judgy about it and it's like, oh, isn't that really small? <laughs> like, it's like, it's fine, dude. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> it's his um, mind palace. Let him live. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I just felt like that was a very fitting choice for John to choose somewhere like that is a very kind of like safe place for him um, and to make his mind, even as it kind of holds more and more information and needs to be organized a little bit differently than it was previously. Like he, he makes it a very kind of comforting space. And I just really like that choice. Like, I think one of the things that works really well for me in this fic is like, we know John is a pretty like empathetic person, especially like compared to Sherlock who doesn't either like to feel or show empathy. Um, and I think also like John's kind of empathy towards himself like shows through in this fic as well, which I really liked. Um, not in like a woe for me way, but just like, he's still trying to take care of himself as he knows he's going through this like very kind of tumultuous experience um and yeah like what reed said he even as he kind of becomes able to do some of the things that like we know sherlock is able to do like just come to these really quick conclusions process information really fast like kind of keep almost photographic records of things in his head he never like becomes less john and then also when his condition degenerate he's still very john that's the part i was kind of worried about i think we all were of like how is this going to be portrayed as he like loses the ability to do the things he was able to do like a short time ago um and i think the author did a really great job at like still making him fundamentally john even if he processes information differently or like even if he's no longer able to kind of do certain things or like think certain ways um and I was, I don't know, I just like that. I, I was very happy to see how that part was handled and like that the character work throughout the story was really consistent. Yeah, I think one other thing I wanted to mention was there is a pretty major turn in the fic where before this point, all they knew was that his intellect was going to increase. So that's basically what they were told, right? The information that they were given all seems to suggest your cognitive functioning is going to go through the roof and that's it. Uh, and then later on, uh, John finds out that what happens, as in Flowers for Algernon, is that the cognition increases very rapidly, and then it starts to decline. Um, so I just, it's so, the way that the author writes this reveal, even knowing what happens going in, like, I imagine a lot of readers know Flowers for Algernon as a story, um, I guess maybe not a ton, but we all did going into it. So, like, I was expecting it. But even then, it hit so hard. Um, there's a point where he asks, like, oh, why didn't you tell me? And she says it seemed more humane that way. Like, eek! Oof. Talk about, like, treating John like a science experiment. There's something so chilling about that and about the way the the chimpanzees in this experiment are discussed as well. Yeah, because the the animals that they're doing a lot of the like testing on um, were these like chimpanzees, and they see them a couple times, and like there's a few moments related to that that are like 
pretty brutal. Also, like, after John kind of realizes what's going to happen, um, he's asking, like, the scientists, like, why why didn't you tell me, basically? Um, like, what's going to happen? Is it painful? And it goes, she hesitates, but then admits, by the end of the infection, our animals seem distressed. And it's like, that moment is so impactful and, like, such a gut punch because... Yeah, like Nick said, even if you kind of have an idea of where the story is going to go, how it comes out in this iteration of that is is so like powerful um, and impactful. Yeah, there are two scenes, um, one incredibly short about sort of the chimpanzees. And for both of them, my notes go, this is, I think, one of, if not the worst scene of this whole fic, TBH. And then the other one goes, this one is also a contender for worst <laughs> scene of this fic. And by worst, I do mean like the absolute worst gut punch. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will only touch on it briefly, but, like, when he sees chimpanzees that are in different stages of the virus, and some of them are pretty deep into decline, and he tells the researchers, like, they know what's coming, you should separate these groups, and then just stares at the chimpanzees who are pretty far into decline. Oof! Oof, God. That is a hell of a scene. Um... I have honestly so much more I could say about this fic. I really liked it. There's so much substance here. Um, there's like a bit where John is writing notes to himself where he talks about like knowledge and the potential for knowledge and pushing boundaries um, that I really loved. Um, once again, I think this this fic in part was like a love letter from this author to their profession. And I think even not being in the scientific field, some of that love translated through. Um also, this is an incredibly small note, but I was so delighted to read a fic that had both Sherlock and John. There were so many fics that were set post Back Falls, <laughs> um, which, and I understand why, but um, I don't know. I, I was more interested in reading about, like, the two of them and sort of, like, reflective of the show as a whole than I was about John thinking Sherlock is dead to talk about mm-hmm. character death that is not quite character death. Um, so... Yeah. This fic really was a winner for me in so many ways. Um, I am incredibly grateful to Brenna for finding it and to this author for writing a fic that I really enjoyed reading and really surprised me in a lot of ways. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click. If you had a good time listening or even just a mediocre time and you're thinking, I want more of it, click. Uh, here are some <laughs> options for you. You can follow us on social media at Twitter and Tumblr at FitClick. You can send us an email at fitclickpod at gmail.com. We also have a Discord server that's linked on our Twitter account, which is a lot of fun, multi-fandom, hanging out with peeps. So those are some ways that you can get in touch with us and join the community. If you had a terrible time listening, but feel strangely compelled to come back for more, and in fact, uh, want to wrap FitClick, we do have some merch up on Redbubble. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I mean, hopefully, please don't leave us a terrible review, but uh, we'd love to hear from you if you are so inclined. We are still a small growing podcast, so word of mouth is the biggest way for us to find new people to join our community. If you had a terrible time, maybe just like Send us an email and we can chat with you about what's not working for you on the pod. Like, if you have more things to say, maybe maybe reach out to us. Don't, don't put that on Apple, please. <laughs>
I'm just obsessed with the concept of someone walking around with like a fit click tote bag and someone else being like, oh, like, do you like that podcast? And they're like, I don't know yet. I'm still I'm still deciding. <laughs> I like the idea of someone walking around with it and someone being like, oh, I really like that podcast. And then the person with the tote bag being like, oh, I fucking hate it. Like, <laughs> I also like the idea that like maybe someone's first time listening to fit click is this episode, mm-hmm. which welcome that. Yeah. That is some energy that we are bringing to you. Not all of our episodes are like this. Although, if you did like this, maybe some others will be like it. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> totally if uphill you from here. Ideas for what our future episodes could be like. Uh, we're always happy to hear suggestions, um, thoughts on future themes or challenges. Let us know. Uh, we're always looking for more fun things to do. Our next episode is going to be coming out on April 16th, so we hope you join us then. Uh, Brenna, what fic are you bringing? Yeah, so my pick for next episode is Atlas by Etymology Playground. It is a crossover fic for Modao Tsushi and Tianguan Chifu, um, otherwise known as Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation and Heaven Official Blessings. Um, So I think it's going to be a fun one. Nick, what's yours? Yeah, so my fic for next episode is Ashes and Flame, Every You and Every Me by Frenetic Flowetry. Uh, it is a Hunger Games post-mocking fic, PETA slash Katniss. So I'm very excited to return to District 12. <laughs> Reed, what are you bringing? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, nothing. I'm very excited to be bringing a new fandom to the pod. Um, new to me especially. This movie came out a while ago, but I just watched it, um, so I am going to be bringing a fic for The Old Guard, and the fic is Life is Very Long by Katie Falls. The pairing is Joe Nikki. All right, let's do our cheer. Super. Who? Lock. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>